Good afternoon to everyone and thank you for choosing to spend your afternoon here with Ricky and myself. For those who don't know, I'm Patricia Ogan-Faber and I do a podcast show to help people maximise property values. It's called Maximising Property Values, yes, because I'm very original. Anyway, it's it's on all the popular platforms, so you can find it on Apple, Spotify, Google and Audible. Um, That, however, is a monologue. But I've now added a guest series. Well, I added it in November, so I can't keep on saying I've now. But anyway, I've added a guest series. And my guest today is Ricky Marley. We are going to try to get to know Ricky a little bit better. Now, who is Ricky? So Ricky is a property investor of more than 20 years who has built up a multi-million pound property portfolio of single lets and HMOs. His strategy is to seek distressed properties and maximise the capital appreciation and rental values. He set up his first retail business and purchased his first property at the age of 23. He purchased... Oh, he then sold the retail business at the age of 40 in... And I'm reading what Ricky has sent to me. So Ricky is telling us how old he is <laughs> um, at the age of 40 in 2018. And he is now focusing on his property journey. He is a gym enthusiast, which is great for mental well-being and mindset. Ricky, welcome to Maximising Property Values. But Thank before, before we go into your property activities, we would like to get to know you a little bit better. So you know the drill, you know the drill. So your first question, and this is a bit of a tough one, so you're not allowed to answer it in relation to property and you're not allowed to answer it in relation to your gym activities. So what and when was the lowest time in your life and why? Oh, that's a great question. Um, the lowest time in my life, I guess, is, is leaving home at a very young age and, and moving in with my boss at the time, because I had nowhere really to go. Um, so I had a bit of a tough upbringing. My father was quite strict. Um, my mum suffered severe depression, both separated. I was living with my mum at the time and, um, she wasn't really capable of looking after us because of her mental health issues so we we kind of moved in with our dad but he was the complete opposite really really strict um with everything he made us do um paper rounds and leave money on the table if we had holes in our trains we have to super glue them so it was a quite strict father um and i couldn't really take it by the age of 16 i left home and i actually moved in with my boss um who gave me somewhere to live and i I used to work for him full time there onwards but um yeah that was probably the lowest time um yeah that was definitely the lowest time oh ricky do you know you made me actually regret asking you that question because but thank you so much for being so open with us do you know you are the second person that's made me want to cry (laughs) (laughs) but you know what patricia in hindsight i think it done me quite good because i don't think i would be um the person that i am now if that makes sense um leaving home at 16 and and kind of moving with my boss and getting inspired by my boss actually because he was actually in the um 
in the flooring trade at that time and he was also heavily into property so moving in with him and his sons and going out to fit carpets that's how I learned how to fit carpet um I learned about the he was buying properties every week he was buying them like they were going out of fashion you know and he was definitely an inspiration he was he was probably in my age at the time in his 40s and he used to work very 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 hard and his three sons that he had um were a bit cool they would wake up when they would want to wake up go to work um, mess about a little bit and the dad used to have to put up with it all but he was definitely my inspiration so i think in hindsight looking back if i stayed with my mum, probably wouldn't be the person that i am and if i didn't leave home at the young age to to work and, and make something of myself then i wouldn't be the person that i am now so sometimes it's, it's a good thing you know you know i, I literally was was thinking about that when you were talking and i thought do you know what that has actually shaped you into who you are um yeah exactly what you've said so yeah. but it is it is still quite sad and it's one of the reasons why you know i am a devout christian but um unlike a lot of christians i actually support the lgbt um community and you know lots of young um lgbt people are thrown out of their homes you know, once they come out or, or once they're caught, you know, kind of like, you know, being who they are. And it always makes me sad that, you know, a young person cannot, you know, stay at home and, you know, be given the protection and the love that, you know, families, um, you know, that we all think families should give to us. But yeah, if, if they help to shape us, oh, why not? Why not? Right, so your second question, gosh, I'm on a downer today, I really am. <laughs> but after this second question, we can take it up and raise the levels of energy. Um, so, um, because the thing is, Ricky, as human beings, we all have our goods and our bads, don't we? And I think, you know, very often, we just focus on the good side of things, and I, I like to kind of like create a bit of a balance. And that is why I just love all you guys who've come onto this because all of you are honest. Um, and, and I just, ugh, you know, it, I am so, I'm so humbled. I really am. Anyway, your second question is this. Can you think about a person, so no names, no names, that you least like and tell us why? And you'll have a third question, which is, tell us about the person that you like the most, not love, but like the most, <laughs> and tell us why. Again, no names. Wow, these are great questions, Patricia, I must say. Um, who I least like? You know what? I don't, to be honest, I'm, I'm quite a private person. I don't have many, many friends, believe it or not. Right? Very, very few friends that, I, that I'm close to. You know, I can probably count them on one hand. And I also don't have a large family. Um, so there's not, I try and stay away from negative people as well, because I think that um, those type of people can bring you down. So I don't have people that I don't, that I don't like. Just trying to think. Um, other than probably my dad, you know, <laughs> that's probably the least person that I don't like. And that's, that's the truth. Um my my the best person that i probably like is a guy that i've met many years ago 20 years ago when i had the flooring business his name is maz 
and he he was probably more he probably he was like a, a father role to me Masood and he was heavily into property at the time and um, I actually fitted his carpets because I actually started off as a carpet fitter before I set up the retail shop and I went around and fitted his carpets and we kind of built up a little bit of rapport and then we got really quite close and that's how I learned the the property game from um, and we still I actually just spoke to him about 30 minutes ago and I always I always speak to him on a regular basis he actually just bought a property in the auction and he was giving me some figures and, and whatnot which was um very inspiring and that's why I kind of keep close with him because he is a very um a very good person and he's very helpful and he's very giving as well so he's probably the best person that I like wow wow yeah. um it's it's you know when when you when you come into contact with people who affect you and your life the way that he has you can't but wake up in the morning and say thank you god mm. You, you yeah. just you just can't it, you, yeah. it's a blessing you know yeah, our right. paths cross with people like that excellent yeah. right property property <laughs> 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 so <laughs> you um you go for like um distressed property yeah how how do you find them ricky if you can share okay so there's two ways actually one is the traditional method that everyone uses and that's right move i guess i like using right move um i think that the best way for me is that i think the advantage that i had is having the flooring business and building up this flooring business i made a load of contacts with letting agents and estate agents because we used to do all their basically used to do all their work on behalf of landlords and the ten and the properties that they're managing so i built up very very good relationships with probably about 10, 15 estate agents all over Enfield, Finchley, um, Southgate. And at the time, starting on my property journey, I would let them know that I'm looking for properties and they would um, give me a call as soon as something comes up. And um, I'd go around, look at it and see if it's worthwhile and liaise with Maz, that are the person that I mentioned to make sure that the deal works. Um, so that's how I find my properties through building relationships with estate agents and searching right move. Um, sometimes you you search through right move for properties that the agents haven't even given you a call, but because you can spot it's a deal um, by either carrying out a refurb or reconfiguring, um, you give up the agent, you give the agent a call and say, look, is this still one? Is, is this still available? And you go and look at it, and they, they kind of offer it to you. So both methods I use, Patricia. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Because what I really kind of like, you know, what I, what I, what I, what I'm trying to do with these guest series is to let people who perhaps don't know you know what you can do for them, you know, in their journey, how you might be able to help them. So tell us, because um, most of the people who will listen to this, I suspect, are going to listen on the podcast, so they won't be able to see anything that we can see in this room right now. But tell us how people can best contact you if they want to come to you for you to help them. So I'm on Instagram. I document my journey on Instagram and also started on TikTok now, which is doing all right. Um, and just basically documenting my whole journey. Um, all the properties, the refurbs that I'm doing, I'll document on there. Um, on Clubhouse as well. I haven't been on Clubhouse for quite a while, actually. It's been quite nice to have a little bit of a break. It's actually the first time that I've spoken on Clubhouse, so it's quite refreshing. But yeah, Clubhouse or Instagram and um, TikTok. 
other ways. Okay, great stuff. So on Clubhouse, you are Ricky Marley on Instagram. You're Ricky Marley as well? Yeah, yeah. And and the same on TikTok? TikTok is Streets Ahead Property. Okay, so there you go, people. Ricky Marley on Clubhouse, Ricky Marley on Instagram, Streets Ahead Property on TikTok. So, right, so tell us, Ricky, what's the last deal that you've done? What are the figures like? How are you finding it? What, how do you feel about it? Well, the last, the last deal completed I done was last year in May. Um, I bought a, a two bedroom house. It was actually a three bedroom house, but they turned it into a two bedroom house and it needed a, a little bit of work, not a major refurb. And I bought that, uh, last May I paid 350,000 for this house. Nice house had a re-extension driveway. And I turned it back into a free bed, carried out a mini refurb on it. I spent about seven and a half thousand pounds on this house. Um, I actually done some of the work myself with another person. Um, end value around 440 now, uh, probably a little bit more actually. Um, turned it into a free bed and rented that one. That's the last deal that I'd done last year until the market went a little bit mad and it was just so hard to find a deal. So instead of trying to look for a deal, still looking, but instead of, um, Kind of sitting on my hands um last year back in the last year i remortgaged a few properties and um released some equity um and got some funds together and this year i'm actually sat outside the house right now um again not a deal of the century because of the way the market is but the way i saw it is that it's still it's still a deal i paid it's a three bedroom house no reconfiguration here um but needs a refurb i paid 340 for this house um, end value, if I was to sell it on the open market, 440. And I'm going to spend about 30 grand on this. Initially, it was about 25. I'm um, doing a... Sorry, oh, Ricky, we lost you there. Yes, my phone went then. And they dare ring me on Clubhouse. <laughs> well, it counts for that, Paul. <laughs> um, so I bought this house for 340,000. Um I'm going to spend about 30k on it, end value around 440 if I was to sell it. And I'm doing a bridge to let on this property at the moment. So this one will probably be ready in about three weeks time. So then I can call the surveyor back out, get them to check all the work that I've done and then refinance this property before I switch it onto a buy to let mortgage product. Um, so yeah, that's this one that I'm doing now. And but, but Ricky, there's still yeah. a good fifty thousand pounds in there, isn't there? Yeah, there is. And you know yeah. what, Patricia? Mm. I mean, I've had a few people say, "How much money are you going to leave in the deal?" For me, I don't mind leaving a bit of money in this deal, and the reason being is that you know I've got a good few properties under my belt, and the way I saw it, the few mortgage, the few properties that I remortgaged last year, a couple of them I remortgaged was still in its um, term period. I still had until the end of this year before um, the deal came to an end, but at the time, foundation home loans were offering a, a really good rate. It was like 2.98%. And no arrangement fee, no survey fees, and no solicitor's fees. So I decided to actually pay my ERC, ERC, my early repayment charges on both of those properties, which equated to about, about six grand for both properties. But the way I saw it is that I wasn't paying any arrangement fees. I wasn't paying any survey fees or solicitor's fees. So it kind of counteracted each other. But I released about about 70 grand um, from these properties. Um, and that's the second time I've released equity from these properties. And I basically used that money to buy this property that I'm that I'm sitting on now at the moment. 
Um, so I'm just kind of transferring equity from one property to another just to build up my portfolio and the rental income. So not deal of the century, but still an uplift. As long as there's a, the way I see it, as long as there's at least a 40 or 50K, more of a 50K uplift, then it's, then it's worth doing for me. Anyone that's just starting out and they've got a, you know, one pot of cash to work with, may not work for them leaving the money tied up in, in you know a little bit of money tied up in the deal when i say a little bit it's probably going to be about 50k tied up into this deal but for me it just um it's, it's all right it keeps the business going keeps the flat cash flow moving um yeah that's the way i look at it with this this particular deal that i'm working on now do you know it sounds good because yeah i've been in ne negative negative equity before mm. and and i know what that's like and it's awful so you know with that kind of mindset i just think you know if you're if you're positive you live to fight another day and fifty thousand yes. pounds is not to be sniffed at it's it, not it, it's, and you know what yeah you know what as well patricia my mortgage payments on the other two properties are actually less each month because the rate is a better rate so i've actually released equity paying less mortgage payments on the on the two properties that remortgage and I've basically accumulated another asset, you know. So there's so many different ways of looking at it. But I think, like I said, because I've got an established portfolio, I'm quite, um, you know, fortunate that I can do that, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Flexibility. Yeah. 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 And yeah. another thing, Patricia, mm. is that I'm, you know, I'm 44 years old now. And I think back in the early, one of my regrets back in the early days was probably not buying enough properties or not being aggressive enough, you know. And you get to a point in life where you think, you know, anything can happen to you. So I think I'm just trying to make the most of it while I can. I'm going to try and be a bit more aggressive and accumulate as many assets as, as possible um, in order to build up that monthly cash flow, you know, to give me that um, time and financial freedom, basically. Do you know what I love about what you've just shared with us is the fact that you're not just being aggressive for the sake of being aggressive you are doing it with a plan in mind you've yes. reduced the payments on the properties that you actually you know took took money out of yeah so it's just a win 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 all around. it is and you know what patricia as well I, I thought to myself with the interest rates rising at the moment these two particular deals are going to come to an end um this the end of this year um i probably would have ended up paying a higher rate if i was to switch the mortgage so I kind of just done the numbers and worked out that if I can get a, a better rate now, 2.98% and fix it for another five years, that way I know that my mortgage payments on those two particular properties are not going to go up for another five years and I can use the money to, to reinvest. And that was another way of looking at it as well, you know. Fantastic. Fantastic, Ricky. Now, a little bird mm -hmm. did once tell me that you are buying or have bought a short lease flat. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I've actually just, before our little clubhouse um, meeting podcast, I just left the solicitors and it was one of those meetings where you sign your life away to say, basically say that if you don't pay back the loan, we're going to come after your assets. And even if you die, we're going to come after your assets. It was one of them personal guarantor meetings. So it is, it is a low lease flat that I'm buying at the moment in Southgate. So it's a nice area. Um, it's a beautiful Edwardian house conversion. And I'm buying the top floor flat with access to the loft. Um, this one is a bit of um, a complicated one. 
um, which is probably why a lot of people stay away from these type of deals. And Jason loves the, I don't know if Jason, I haven't even looked down yet, but yeah, Jason's in your, hi Jason. Um, but Jason loves these type of deals, but this particular flat, the lease has got um, 47 years remaining. Um, the freeholder has passed away. The leaseholders passed away. So it's a bit of a complicated one, but I'm hoping that the solicitors that I'm using um, will find a way of getting this done because um, one of the conditions of buying this flat is that the section 42 notice is going to be served um, in between exchange and completion so that I can um, renew the lease pretty much straight away or whilst I'm doing a refurb to the property. It's a one bedroom flat and I'm going to reconfigure the internal floor plans and turn it into a two bed um, and just do a really nice refurb on it. Um, hoping to spend around 30k on the refurb probably have to add another five to that with the way the prices are going um, purchase price is 250,000 end value as a two bed I would say around 440,000 but I've got to spend around 70k to renew the lease so it's um, a lot of cash that's going to be thrown into this particular mm -hmm. deal um, but I'm um, looking forward to doing it. It's, it's a new challenge for me, Patricia. You know why? I'll tell you why. Because I'm quite used to buying in my particular area, which is the Enfield Borough. And um, I buy a lot of Victorian properties and reconfigure and reloc relocate the bathrooms because they're usually quite big. And I'll turn them into free beds. That way you can increase the end value. But you're also increasing your, your rental income as well because you're turning a two-bed to a three-bed. I've also converted three beds to, to four-bedroom houses just for the rental income. Um, but I'm finding now in my area those particular properties have risen up so much in value that um, it's actually not stacking anymore. Even three-bedroom houses, this 1930s that I'm sitting in front of now, to pick this up at 340000 is is quite a good price because they do sell around the 450 k mark. If you look on right move, 1933 beds houses in these areas are done up in a good condition, are selling around 450. So it's getting harder and harder to stack. And um, I was speaking to Jason um, quite a few times and kind of stole his strategy a little bit. And now looking at um, house converted flats where I can add a bit of value by either renewing the lease and reconfiguring at the same time, you know. So a new strategy that I'm implementing, probably a little bit more work involved, a little bit more cash involved, but let's see how it goes. If it works out quite well, one, I've gained the knowledge on it, and two, it's going to be a new strategy that I can use moving forward. Oh, it sounds really exciting, really, really exciting. Although you are so brave, um, I've, I've not done anything for less than 58 years <laughs> really? and even that is it's like a bit of a struggle with that but you yeah. know edwardian oh i i i can literally just see sash windows yeah lovely large symmetrical sash windows yeah. and bays oh i love square bays yeah they yeah. are just so lovely um ooh, okay so the freeholder is dead yeah. Um, <laughs> I shouldn't really laugh because that's not really no. that somebody's, but it, it's the situation that I'm laughing about. Because yeah. you've got, so are you dealing with the freeholders' executors? That's right. I am, Patricia. Ah, okay. So hopefully they won't know too much. Mm -hmm. Well, and that sounds really awful as well, doesn't it? Anyway, um, well, <laughs> it's well, not your problem though. Um, but what I'm thinking is, you know, when you also kind of like, you know, throw in your application to um, reconfigure, 
yeah they they won't have any problems they'll just be thinking oh do you know what we're going to get some more money into the estate you know a good 70,000 yeah, yeah 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 let's just say yes to this person um and um then you know bob's your uncle you are well the condition really patricia that the, the internals is really really dated and there's actually no kitchen in there which is why i'm doing a bridge on this i'm doing a separate bridge um and then um, exit in onto a buy to let mortgage once i've renewed the lease and um, done the reefer but there's actually no kitchen in there um and it's all quite dated so it needs a, a good reefer needs rewiring needs central heating new kitchen so when i do um put an application in for consent um then um, i'm hoping that reconfiguring and i won't be doing any structural work either i'm hoping that it'll be okay you know Oh, great stuff. Great stuff. And the thing is, oh, I don't know if your um, gas person's told you this yet, but my gas person, so the one that I'm looking at, that's 58 years. It sounds just like yours. So dated. Oh, it, it really is just dreadful. But, you know, I can, I can just understand it. You know, people bought these places, you know, maybe like, you know, 50 odd years ago yeah. and they were quite happy there. And, you know, why change anything if you're quite comfortable where you're living? And, you know, what we think might be comfort might be hell for them. Yeah. And they've just, you know, and also they wouldn't have had the money because once you retire, it's not easy to then get hold of, you know, 10 or 20 or 30,000 pounds in order to refurbish where you live. That's quite comfortable for you um, just for the sake of doing it. So it, it's completely understandable. No, um, I agree with that. And it's also finding the right people to do the work as well. But in our eyes, it's dated. But when yeah. I'm looking at this flat, I'm looking at the skirting boards, I'm looking at the doors, and I'm thinking all these original features, they're actually quite, really quite nice. I don't want to go in there and start ripping everything out. I want to try and keep all the original features as possible, you know. Even in this house that I'm working in, right, they've got solid Victorian um, wooden doors. I've actually kept them and um, upcycling them and rehanging the door, the same doors back on, you know. Um, they're quite nice, so yeah. Mm. Do you know, that sounds, in, in some of these, uh, guess what? Now, um, so there's a guy, um, so when, uh, what you might want to do once you complete on this <laughs> is go around, make sure that there aren't any kind of like, you know, cubby holes, that all the uh, floorboards mm. are nailed down because quite often in these like, you know, dated properties where people have literally passed away, you might find some really, really good value things just hidden away. Yeah. Um, I have a builder who, all, that's what he does. He just literally goes like, you know, lifting floorboards to look for things. And I'm thinking one of these days, you're gonna see something that's gonna just give you nightmares for the rest of your life. But I, I, I just don't wanna know about it. But, you know, for you men, it might be slightly different. But um, the thing that my um, um, gas safe person said to me is that I might not be able to introduce, um, because I said, uh, you know, what, I'm, I'm going to need like brand new central heating system because there's no central heating system in there at the moment. And he said, oh, I don't know if I can bring gas in there. So I said, well, there's already gas in there anyway, because she was, you know, the lady um, who passed is, you know, she was using an electric, um, a gas cooker. So he went, oh, OK, that's fine then. So I think post Grenfell, there might be something to say if there's no gas in a flat, and there are flats above it, don't introduce the gas. I think that's what, I, I didn't pay too much attention because it didn't really affect me in that there was gas there already. 
But from the mm. questions that he was asking me and what he was saying, um, that's what, you know, that was the conclusion that um, I came to. But also, you're on the top floor anyway, aren't you? So I, I, I am, yeah. I guess you'll yeah. be fine. Yeah, oh, there's only really... two flats in there in total. You've got the ground floor flat and the top floor flat. What what size is it? It it sounds really big. I'm thinking what minimum fifty something square meters. It is, yeah, yeah. sixty square meters. Oh, gosh, um, yeah. I've also got I have an ownership of the loft space as well, which is the other oh, condition fabulous. of this flat. So I could actually do a loft conversion, and because of the area that it's in, Southgate is quite a prime area um, in the Enfield Borough. It's only literally ten minutes away from mm -hmm. Southgate, uh, London Underground. Um, so I could actually probably do a, a loft conversion because the bill cost against the actual added value um, will be much less, you know. So it probably work out well to do it as a flip. But this will probably be my, my first property near a London underground station. So I'm getting a little bit emotionally attached to it and probably want to keep hold of it, you know. So I'll probably just do the refurb and rent it out. Oh, I'm laughing away, Ricky. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I know, but the thing is, you know, people say, you know, don't get emotionally attached to the properties that you buy. But why else would you buy? Okay, fine, you buy for money, but I don't know. I I, I love everything that I've got. I'm, you know, when I'm looking at it, I have to see myself yeah. living there for me to be able to kind of like, you know, do it the way that I want to do it. Anyway, anyway enough about me. This is about you, Ricky. <laughs> But I'm the same, Patricia. I've never actually sold, you know. And um, I remember when I sold my flooring business in 2018, my full intention was to get into property full time. And the first property I bought late 2018 was bought to do as a flip. And um, I paid cash for this property because it was in a really, really poor state, um, which probably was a mistake. I probably should have used bridging and then used my cash to buy another two more properties out of because... I think you have to keep in mind is when you're tying up a lot of cash into these properties, by the time you buy it, do the refurb, refinance and get your money into the account again, it's, it's like a, a six to nine month, probably closer to a nine month process, you know. Um, so I bought this house with, with the intention to flip. But by the time I finished with it, I thought to myself, and there was, wasn't a great deal of profit in it. There was probably about, I say not a great deal, there's probably about 50k profit in it. But then you've got to work out, you know, six to nine months process. By the time you pay tax out of that, it's, it's not a great deal. So I said to myself, you know what, I'm just going to refinance, pull out as much money as possible and buy a few more properties out of it. And I've kept it. But that property has gone up by another 60, 70 grand since 2000, late 2018. So really, you know, I know, although I don't see the 50 grand lump sum, I look at it as a, a long term view. How much rent have I made from that property over the past couple of years? Um, and the assets gone up in value and not only that the other way of looking at it as well is that if you manage to build up a good portfolio um, you know you can look at the overall capital appreciation on your whole portfolio you know as it's gone up each year you know so you can use that as leverage but that's how I look at it I don't I don't really sell to be honest I like to keep a bit of a holder oh, do you know there we do differ a bit because I will sell I sell yeah. I fall in love I sell I buy <laughs> I keep <laughs> oh, yeah. but I love that also, you know, because, you know, people who started, you know, buying, I guess, from the mid 90s are literally just laughing, you know, mid 90s to about 2000, mm. laughing all the way to the bank. And I, 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 
you know, I, I do feel for younger people who are just coming into property now. And, you know, it's one of the reasons why, you know, when I do my workshop and when I try and talk to people, I try and give them um, like recent examples that I've done because, you know, those that we bought back then, they are the ones that just keep on giving. They yeah. just give and they give and they give and they give. And maybe, you know, the recent ones will do that as well. Who knows? But, you know, like you say, you've got a buffer. So, yeah. you know, either any which way you're going to be OK. So that is just it's just great. Don't get me wrong, Patricia. Yesterday I had one of those days, like I said, right, where I said to myself, you know what? I really can't be asked. And then you start thinking to yourself, should I just sell everything, sell everything off, pay all the banks off? How much money will you be left over? And then you work out the rental, rental income you've got coming in every month. Then you say to yourself, well, if I sell everything and I'll get whatever you get, I don't know, just say a million pounds from it. You know, how long will it take for you to save up your rental income, excess rental income each month before you hit that figure? And just all these thoughts go through your mind when you're having a bit of a bad day. You know, all property investors have a bad day where, you know, you might have maintenance issues or you're trying to buy something and solicit. Whatever the issue is, you know, you think to yourself, why am I bothering? You know, but... um. But then you wake up the next day and then you feel um you feel okay and you know and you just move on but um... you know, that is a true that is a true property investor because yeah ups and downs ups and downs and you just you just deal with it don't you that's right that's right i think it's definitely harder now because like i said going back um when i moved in with my boss he was buying houses every week but he was putting down minimal deposits you know in some cases no deposits and the same houses back then i remember he bought a house in edmonton he paid 95 grand for this house a victorian house big one um four bed victorian end of terrace house he paid 95 grand for it but that house is probably worth 500 grand now so how much deposit even if you buy it 400 grand because it needs a bit of work how much deposit you need to put down on that house as a property investor you know it's a lot of money you've got to put down 25 percent now Whereas in his day, 95K, you know, no deposit or even 10% deposit is not a great deal of money, you know. So definitely harder now, especially in the London areas, even on the outskirts. I think it's definitely harder, you know, anyone that's starting out, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I actually feel for people. I really, really do. And um, and I'm in the brigade of because I have um, so my children are grown up. And my older son is 20, he's 29. And okay, he has he has now bought, but before he bought, he, he used to moan something chronic. Oh, we can't do this. Your generation's very different. And um, you know, how much did you pay when you bought your first house? And all of this malarkey. Yeah. And I used to say to him, well, guess what? I didn't always go out to wine bars I didn't go out and eat in, you know, really expensive restaurants. I didn't buy. Oh, do you know what? I'm, well, well, he doesn't listen to my podcast, so it's absolutely <laughs> fine. Um, um, he, he was house-sitting for a friend. Decided that he, he was not going to sleep on, his, on the friend's mattress in the guest room. Didn't think that he should buy maybe like a mattress protector. No. He had to get his own mattress to go and house sit for a friend okay people might be thinking yeah okay what's wrong with that if i was going to do that and i needed to buy my own mattress 
I'd be on Amazon and I'd be buying like a 90 pound mattress. Yeah. He bought a Simba. Now, anyone who knows Simbas know what they're like. I didn't know what a Simba was until he bought it. 950 pounds wow. for a mattress. For a mattress. So I used to say to him, do you know what, dude, I don't even want to hear. don't want to hear about it. And, you know, it's all about the mindset. Because once he decided that he wanted to get into property, boom, sorted. Absolutely sorted. So, yes, it's more difficult now. But, again, you know, everyone will say it's always more difficult in their their youth. Yeah. Because um, when I was... When I was buying and I was buying, you know, five figures, older people bought for four figures and, you know, much nicer houses at that. So, you know, I think it's all it's it's all the same. It's all the same. Oh, you know, I can't wait to actually see your pictures, you know, on, you know, this um, Edwardian top floor flat. It just sounds absolutely gorgeous already. I, I can just picture it in my mind. <laughs> has, has it got wallpaper? Um, yeah, it has got wallpaper. A bit like this house. <laughs> this house had about three layers of wallpaper. Um, but yeah, it has got wallpaper. Oh my gosh, I'm laughing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I'm looking forward to that. That'll keep me busy for the rest of this year. I think by the time I finish with this one, um, hopefully. Oh, and I'm also one of my HMOs. I've actually decided to revert it back to a single let. Um, this particular house, which is a house share HMO, um, one of the. T- In fact, it started off as a six-bed HMO um, about six, seven years ago when I bought it. Then it turned to a five-bed HMO because one of the rooms became just too small, so I couldn't let it out. I turned it into a study, so that kind of affected the um, the profit margins a little bit. Um, but it's just one of these houses where the tenants just. Um, Either there's a personality clash or they're not clean. Even though I send the cleaners there, I'll go there the next day. It's just so dirty. And it's just one of those properties that used to just, I didn't want to visit. It just used to give me this bitter taste, but I just kind of kept it going. Um, and then one of my my tenants that used to store boxes on the top landing after me kind of notifying her on several occasions that you can't store boxes on the top landing because it's a fire hazard, kept on doing it. So t- other tenants will send me pictures on my phone. Um, so I thought to myself, she actually gave notice to leave and she's already left. So there's only like four tenants left now. Um, so I decided instead of re-letting the, the room back out again, I'm just going to give notice to the remainder four tenants to say, look, I'm looking to sell this property now. So after this, the builder is going to go there and just give that one a, a, a kind of a paint over, freshen up new carpets. And then I'm going to give it to Enfield Council and a guaranteed rent, um, just eliminate that headache probably won't even lose that much money each month because now the um, energy prices are going up, gas bills and electric bills. You know, that HMO is probably making me around a thousand pounds a month, I would say, after mortgage and bills. Um, If I rent it out as a single let, I'll probably make around 800 pounds a month and I don't have to worry about the bills or worry about tenants leaving the lights on, which is another pain, Um, leaving bathroom lights on constantly and kitchen lights on. So that one I'm going to be reverting back to a single let um, before I move on to the Southgate project. So that will hopefully keep keep me busy, you know, this year. Oh, yeah. You sound like, yeah, you've got your hands full there. Um, yeah. I, another thing I, I, I just want to ask you. So with this one that you are bridging, because it doesn't have a mm. kitchen. Yeah. 
didn't you did you did you consider maybe kind of like you know putting in some kind of like ad hoc like units and a, a cooker from one of those like secondhand um places um and a sink yeah. <laughs> so that i could get a mortgage yeah you know what patricia i've actually done that before i bought a house in 2019 where um it 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 looked it basically the vendor called in these builders to do a refurb and the builders basically done a runner and they'd done a really shoddy job and the kitchen was half done so it had like base units in the worktop no wall units walls are really bad condition the bathroom was really poor there was broken um plug sockets the lean-to had a leaking roof and a, and a caved-in floor and it was on the open market and i said to the estate agent let me go in here please let me spend a couple of thousand pounds at my risk and let me just tidy it up a little bit so i went in i put some tiles on the kitchen walls i put carpets throughout the whole property replaced a couple of broken sockets just tidied it up and um, got a mortgage on that one um but the problem with that is it's, it's a risk that you're gonna have to take on and this particular flat that i'm buying because it's a bit of a complicated one um i'm just not confident i'm kind of 90 percent confident that it's going to go through i'm hoping it really really does i'm just because maybe it's new to me i'm not new i'm not kind of that clued up when it comes to the the, the leasehold and the section 42 notice so my solicitors, like I said, are dealing with it, hoping that this notice will get served. Um, but yeah, it's just one of them ones that I wasn't really confident with, Patricia. So I thought to myself, let me do a bridge to it. And also as well, if I do a bridge, and the bridge is not costing a great deal. It's costing me just under £8,000 for six months. Um, so I'm hoping that I can turn this around within six months, refurb and renew the lease. And then I can refinance it and then switch it onto a, you know, a buy to net mortgage product. And that's kind of how I do it, you know, gives me that flexibility. Do you know that bridge, that bridge fee, that's not yeah. bad. That, that is actually quite good, you know, even yeah. for six months. Yeah. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Good. So the way I look at it as well, Patricia, I know you take out mortgages and you don't, you have them on a variable rate. So it gives you that flexibility of being able to do the refurb and then refinance straight after. Um, I've never actually done that, to be honest. Most of the time, if I'm buying houses on, the, on the, using a buy to lend mortgage product, I'll take out like a two-year minimum term. And then I'll just kind of, on some properties, I'll just kind of do the refurb and then rent it out and then don't refinance it until those two-year um, deals come to an end, you know. Um, all depends on the number. Sometimes I wait for them to mature a little bit if the market's quite good before I refinance them. Um, but again, that works for me. It won't work for everybody, you know. It depends how many properties you've got in your portfolio. Sometimes... There's properties that I haven't touched for a few years and I'll think to myself, right, I want to buy this property. I'm going to go back to, you know, that property there and leverage that one in order to fund this one. And that's that's kind of how I build up the portfolio. Oh, I tell you what, not not all of my purchases actually go through on variables because sometimes yeah. you know, the rates that you want, uh, you just can't get. Exactly. You know, you can't get the amount of money on a variable. Yeah. And and like you say, if you're doing a complete refurb and you're going to be extending the lease, you need to have in usually six figures in your bank account. Oh, yeah. This flat, <laughs> Patricia, I'll be honest with you, um, is 70% loan to value. So I'm getting a bridge on the 70% loan to value. I have to put down 90K as a deposit. The refurb, like I said, is 30K. And then the lease renewal is probably around 70k. So I'm going to be tying up, I don't know, what's Jason's good at maths. What's that? 70, 90, 190, 90, I think. 190k is going to be sat in this deal 
before I can refinance it, you know. So it's definitely um, a cash-rich um, type of investment. And then, and then you've got um, your stamp but, duty and all of that. So you're probably looking you at 200, you exactly, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. So, again, this prob this deal probably wouldn't work for everyone as well because you could think to yourself, well, that's 200K, you could probably buy two properties out of that. Or depending on location, if you're up north, you could probably buy six or seven properties out of that, you know? So... You know, but um, I'll just find that if, you, if you're kind of waiting for the right deal to come along, you could probably wait, you know, two years. And, and, and then before you know it, you haven't bought anything. So, yeah, that's you know, the way I looked at it. I still love um, this deal of yours because it, it's not, you know, on its own, the figures seem to be really, really good. And, you know, you could buy two properties or you could buy 10, yeah. you know, wherever. But... Uh, one of the reasons, I guess, why I don't buy up north is mm. it will cost me the same amount, well, in the main, to do a kitchen up north as it will cost me to do one down south. But in terms of, like, you know, capital appreciation, I'm getting so much more for just that kitchen down south. So I always kind of, like, look at it like that and I think, okay, do you know, uh, maybe, like, maybe labour's cheaper up north. I don't know. didn't have anything up north. But in, in terms of your costs, they're going to be the same wherever. Yeah. You know, you buy your kitchen from Howden's or Magnets or Juicens or, you know, wherever. A kitchen is a kitchen is a kitchen. It's going to cost you the same. Yeah. So, you know, you're making more money, I think. Anyway, I'm, I'm, I'm biased. <laughs> um, let me not say any more. Um, <laughs> so, um, so we've got some some walkthroughs then to look forward to. Oh, I honestly can't wait. I honestly can't wait. And if you want to lock it, oh gosh, invite me over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got um I've actually got a cameraman coming um on Monday to do like a little um filming of the reefer progress, you know, because I basically I want to document this particular property, in fact the Southgate one as well, but and then share the numbers at the end because I think it's just good to whether it's a deal of the century or not deal of the century, it's always good to share both sides, you know. Um, so I'm going to be documenting this and hopefully it will help um, people that's getting onto the property ladder. Um, we'll give them some sort of guidance or help or inspiration, you know. Um, so we'll see how we get on. Brilliant. And then if people want to contact you because, you know, they want to tap into your decades of experience, as we said, you know, they can contact you on Instagram, Ricky Marley, they can contact you on Clubhouse, Ricky Marley, or they can contact you on TikTok. And um, I was just having a quick look at the um, room chat just now, and somebody was saying that you're being a little bit modest about your TikTok success. Um, so, <laughs> so TikTok, you are streets ahead property. Yeah, yeah. On TikTok. So, you know, people, that's how you can get in touch with Ricky. And as no doubt you would have decided yourself if you've listened to this he is an honest guy he will tell you how it is and he's doing his own thing and he's doing it really really well do you know ricky it's been my absolute pleasure to have you on um on this podcast and um what i'm looking to do is um i'm going to be taking a break um I think in from July, but I want to do a season two with all you, my favourite guests. So I hope that you will come back and give us 
an update as to you know what you've been doing between today and whatever that day might be um but um you know can i just say you know thank you so much oh i can't actually go without asking you this and i didn't write it down that's why i was about to forget so property 101 I was in your room when you guys said, oh, this is the last one of Property 101, you know, for you and Damien. Um, and I know that um, Jason and Shane and, um, oh my gosh, um, oh, I've forgotten. Gavin. Gavin, that's it, Gavin. <laughs> and they've been, you know, running, you know, the room, which is great. But when can we expect you back in Property 101? Um... I don't know. I'm gonna have to have a chat with Damien, but I'll be honest. It's been nice to have a little bit of a break. I know you're the you're the clubhouse queen, Patricia. Oh, you're, I wish. You're quite <laughs> consistent, <laughs> but um, I don't know. I think it was just more of the fact that we've got these projects on the go, and when you're when you've got kids as well, doing the school run and doing the gym and other bits and pieces, clubhouse can be a bit of a time stealer, you know. Um, but I think we'll be back soon. Um, we've with me when I do the clubhouse rooms I like to try and keep it quite fun engaging and you know try and um, keep the content quite fresh so when you're doing it on a daily basis it's quite hard to to kind of do that especially when you're talking about property and I found it at times that it could be a little bit repetitive you know um so which is why I needed a bit of time out as well but yeah we'll be back soon we'll be back soon I met Damien through clubhouse and Damien's definitely been an inspiration um, and he's created these training videos that you can watch online as well. And this uh, membership pool that he's done, which I think is fantastic, to be honest. Um, and I'm kind of helping him um, promote that through my social media. So, yeah, we'll definitely be back. Definitely. Be back. I miss, miss doing the rooms in the mornings. Um, it'll be nice to do it again. And I guess um, once I've got these projects done, especially with the leasehold flat, it'll be good to um, share that on, on Clubhouse as well with people that um, wants to get involved in property i guess but it's been fantastic it's been great speaking to you patricia as well i love love being on here oh thank you so people you've heard it on here ricky and damien are going to be back so watch this space or watch some space watch the tiktok space <laughs> for when that's actually going to happen um, right. i'll just say thank a... you to everyone in the audience so i'm just looking down familiar faces there um, thank you for listening to our story and coming on Clubhouse. Yes, I know. Thank you very much for spending... And I can't speak. <laughs> thank you very much for spending your afternoon here with Ricky and myself. Ricky, thank you so much. Thanks, Patricia. Take care, everyone. Have a good afternoon. Take care.